listening to episode 266 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Dwayne as we near the end of our journey with the Netflix series Dark. And fortunately, we're pretty far up the East Coast, and we don't have to worry about this impending hurricane. But man, it looks pretty bad. Um, yeah, people have been talking about, but I, I just like don't watch the news much, so I really don't don't know. But yeah, it, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I hope Sorry. I hope everyone's okay. I hope they get people out who need to get out and everything. So, well, you hope people agree to get out that need to get out. Yeah. But anyway, um, you know, it seems like I'm always saying this. We got so much to talk about. Uh, not that anybody wants to hear us just chit chat anyway. But uh, <laughs> I think it was really get- like I mean I'm surprised that more people are like, why do you guys talk about the weather in Maryland? <laughs> well, you know, the only thing I would say and and. Uh, we did get, I think somebody on the Facebook group posted uh, thanking you for the tip on that podcast from last week or the week before. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the, the Doctor Who podcast that I listen to, I mean, they do it weekly, even though there are only 11 or 12 episodes a year. So the rest <laughs> of the time, they're pretty much filling space, but they're, they're just really good. But geez, these guys will go on for 20 minutes and, I, you know, I'm into it. So <laughs> anyway, right. um in terms of a little news, uh, after we complete our run with Dark, we're going to look at the fan-created web series Star Trek Continues, which is available for free on YouTube. And this came to our attention through Fred. It is set in the original Star Trek universe, and Star Trek Continues follows all your favorite characters from the original series, including James T. Kirk, Spock, Dr. Leonard McCoy and and the rest of the crew. So, you know, we'll we'll put something out on the Facebook group. I'll probably put a link to the YouTube video there just to make it easy for everybody. But uh, yeah, it looks interesting. So that's going to be on after dark. And then after that, we're not sure yet. We'll keep you guys posted. Now, the other thing, if you go to the website, and I understand a a lot of people don't go to the website. I, I know for podcasts that I listen to, I generally just go to iTunes and subscribe there. But if you go to the website, I've added a tab and collected all of our random shows that we've covered in separate episodes. I mean, if you go there, uh, you know, we've got tabs for all the shows we've covered. And by and large, if you go through iTunes, they're all together. You know, all the Lost Girls are together right. for the most part, all the Dollhouse, etc. But I realized that we have got a lot of random shows where we maybe only did the pilot or for instance, one year we did the season nine premiere of Dr. Who. Right. So they're all collected in a miscellaneous show tab. So if you want to go there, check it out, see if there's anything that appeals to you. Cool. So let's uh, get into dark episode nine, season one, everything is now written by Yante Frisia and Mark O. Sang, who wrote 103 Past and Present and 107 Crossroads, directed, as always, by Baron Bo Odar. And you know, this week, I, I seem to have a lot of opening thoughts before we get into the actual discussion. And one of the things that I think I know the answer, and it's probably relatively simple, but what's the point of periodically showing the device's parts start moving? At first... I thought, well, okay, we learn about the device's origin and Claudia's role in it. Does it simply mark the timeline changes within the episode? I think yes to all of those, but I 
I came up with something else. But before okay. I go into that, any what, what, your thoughts on that? Well, I, it, it seems it, I, it seems to me like it like marks a momentous occasion, and like what just happened might not be that momentous, you know. But yeah, you know, I don't. But I don't know. It just seems like because we see like another part like pop up, like like something like almost like the timeline is taking another step to realizing itself or something. Okay. Well, you know, I'm like you, this is my third watch because I watched it binge style with my wife way back. And then once we start doing the podcast, I'll watch it, take notes and then do a rewatch. And I didn't notice this until my third viewing, but there are three cylinders. Mm -hmm. When the first cylinder goes up, we're in 1953. When the first two go up, we're in 1986. When all three go up, we're in 2019. All right, uh-huh. pretty pretty straightforward. But I'm wondering, will we see other permutations and other years of travel? Uh, I'm certainly no mathematician, but I believe there are seven permutations. For instance, you could have the first and the third. You could have the first and the Uh, I'm sorry, the second and the third. You could just have the second. So I'm wondering whether we'll see other combinations. Mm -hmm. Don't know. Okay. Now, episode structure, ironically, was fairly linear in this episode. We go from 53 to 86 to 2019. Um, As linear as this show gets. Yes. Now, the other thing is about The Stranger and Noah. Is The Stranger trying to stop noah right i mean we know the stranger wants to according to him put put an end to this traveling or or that sounded like that's what he was saying well i thought he was saying that i mean what we talked about this but it seemed to me he's trying to create a time machine so he, he can get control of time or whatever history but does it have anything to do with Noah? I mean, do you think Noah is in his rear view that's what mirror? That's I meant, Noah. That, that's what I meant, Noah. I oh, think. okay. I'm sorry. Right, right, right. Jonas is, is, seems like he's trying to, right, Jonas is trying to destroy it. Noah seems like he wants to um, exploit it. Okay. Now, one of the other interesting things we find out in this episode is that Greta Doppler implies Helga might not be Byrne's son. And, and of course, then that leads to the question, well, who could the father be? Certainly not Egon, as there seemed to be no emotional connection when he goes to the house. Well, He's yeah, maybe one night, okay. you know, tipping back the schnapps. Okay. <laughs> now, we, we don't see any adult Conwells or Nielsen's in the 53 timeline. So, you know, who is... Uh, Enos's father, who is Yana's father, you know, we don't know. But the other thing, and 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 again, hopefully, I haven't forgotten anybody. But at this point, known live time travelers, and at what point did they first travel? So we know the stranger and Jonas have both time traveled and yes. are both still alive. Yep. We know Mickle and Ulrich have both time traveled and are still yes. alive. Correct. Noah and Helga yep and claudia yes is there anybody i'm missing i mean that that is who we know of for sure at this point okay don't i don't think you're missing anyone yeah okay no 
Do you remember when Claudia and Tronte are walking through the woods and she tells him that he looks like James Dean and asks whether or not he's got a girlfriend? And again, it wasn't until my third watch that I thought, well, you know what? This is 53. East of Eden and Rebel Without a Cause weren't released until 1955. See, that's what I was wondering when she said that, because I'm like, was James Dean really a, a, a star then? Yeah. No. I mean, right. and then uh, Giant, his final movie, was in 56, which is when he died. And I'm wondering, yes, you look at his IMDb credits, and he's got a bunch of like one-offs and maybe two-offs on TV shows in the States. How would they even know about James Dean in Germany in 1953? Right. So, well, maybe Claudia started time traveling as a young girl. And that's what I wonder. <laughs> is it a continuity mistake i I think it's a mistake okay i think i think they just messed up you know and and maybe they were like i don't know because i mean nowadays that's an easy catch you know except for the uncurious like me who wondered briefly did james dean was james dean famous in 1953 and then immediately like put it out of mind so i guess that's what they're counting on more people like me to watch yeah All right. Well, anyway, uh, let's take a look at 1953 first, because that's what we're presented initially. And the Dopplers and Helga are are certainly part of this. And the Dopplers are wondering what happened to Helga. And the mother worries she scolded him about his pants a little too much. And maybe that's why he ran away. Now, on the one hand, it's like, well, you think? Even though we know he didn't run away. Right. But... Still, to hear her exhibit a little bit of compassion, uh, you don't even think that. She's hard to read, you know? Like, even when she's saying it, like, the way her eyes and everything, it's almost like, it's just like an academic question for her. Like, she doesn't really feel anything. Like, she doesn't really care. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. And and maybe if in the German it comes across differently. But it just really seemed to me like she's still very detached from this whole thing and is not really super upset. And of course, what she tells Noah later kind of would confirm that, right? Well, yeah. And I mean, the other thing that I find fascinating here is that, all right, fine, maybe her husband's not the father, but you're the mother and, yeah. and, and you have- it's still your kid. Right. So was the father- that bad, that evil, that reprehensible, that that it's such a reminder because certainly we've seen Burnt as a fairly warm father. He immediately goes to police to report his son missing. And, and then when Egon mentions about Ulrich being there the day before looking for information about his son, he remembers that Ulrich had asked about Helga. And, and then when he tells him, just bring back my son at any cost. It just, it's a parallel to Ulrich. I mean, they're just the same in, in the desire to get their sons back, which is understandable. But the other thing that I thought was weird, I don't know if you notice this or not, but when Burnt goes to Egon's office to report his son's missing, he, he's sitting in the chair and he's like sitting sideways where he, he's not even like facing Egon at his desk and it's almost Hmm. like reluctantly he 
kind of turns his head a little bit. And I, I don't know whether that was intentional, I, reading too much in. But again, as you have mentioned before, this is a show like Lost that you can't yeah. read too much in. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, we've always talked about how like every detail is kind of telling and significant here. So, I mean, if you notice it, I'm, it, I'm sure it means something. Here, here's kind of what I get, like the Dopplers um, of, and, and really especially Mrs. Doppler seem to be like kind of, she looks down on people, right? Like, I mean, they're the upper class. They're the aristocracy around here. They have the biggest house. And it, it seems like part of her attitude seems to be, especially towards like Egon, is just simply snobbery. It seems like so. Maybe that is part of it. Like Burns might think it's like beneath him even to be sitting in in this uh, you know in this place. Okay. Now we've got the scene where she's talking to a pastor, like Noah. She's talking to. Well, that's that's what I thought, and that's where we hear about the fact that she's not sure Helga is Burns' child, and. She, goes through that that thing about praying that he wouldn't be born a being not born into love so we're wondering well, and then after that praying that something bad would happen to him it's like dude it's your, okay. it's your freaking kid like come on like what kind of a mother are you okay but here's what i again it just didn't click with me until the third viewing she said uh that that you know it's a child not born into love this is 1953 mm-hmm. you know we've talked about how old helga is and right. w- you know what do you figure around 10 or so uh, i think we said maybe 10 11 around there yeah which means 1943 so was she perhaps raped well see here's the thing dave i also considered this thing i think even the most generous saying he's 10 i think he's older than 10 but let's say 10 that still puts us at 43 uh, there was still no like invasion of of Germany itself at that point. That's true. Like the Allies haven't the like, D Day is still a year in the future. So, because yeah, I thought that too. Was it a case of yeah, where she was? You know, it was a wartime rape situation. But um, no, no, definitely, definitely not. Now, did she have a you know crazy? You know, just came back from the rally, spirits up, kind of fling with some random guy. You know, maybe. Um, and again, not suggesting all Germans were Nazis, obviously. But uh, yeah, I mean, but that's we're solidly though in wartime Germany, no question about it. Right, but then if we expand that out and consider that maybe he's only eight which it could be 1945. So we don't know. Again, it just is another level of mystery in the story. But even perhaps more important there is when she talks about falling into the hands of the devil rather than God. And then Noah looks at the family photo and he seems to be zeroing in on Helga's photo. And again, maybe I was reading too much into it, but the camera certainly seemed to indicate that. So... Again, what does that say about Helga? What does that say about Noah? And again, we see Ulrich sitting outside the bunker. Daylight, his hands are blood covered. They even seem to be shaking, which Mm -hmm. 
I don't know if it's necessarily from the cold, which it, it could be. Well, but I think mostly from the fact that, uh, as far as he knows, he just killed a little kid. Right, right. You know? And and then we get that scene, which I, I was surprised that he articulated this. But then, on the other hand, it is Ulrich, after all. <laughs> He's walking along the road. Egon's driving in that ultra cool green and white VW police yeah, car. I know. Man. How boss is that thing, right? <laughs> And do I want one of those? All right. Anyway, so he stops and then Ulrich runs when Egon, you know, asks him to. And Ulrich's heading for the cave. Egon cuts him off, which was a great move. Draws. Yeah. Uh, not sure if he but fires his gun or not. But. He fires his gun in the air. Yes. Okay. Which and the first I didn't know he had one because he's just like, stop, stop running, stop running. You know, it's just like, I know. I'm pretty sure, like, I was pretty sure German police are armed, but, you know, I know, like, British, uh, like, Bobbies are not, and it's, you know, like, Robin Williams had a really good joke where, you know, over in England, the police say, stop, or I'll say, stop again. Like, (laughs) um, you know, he's just saying, stop running, stop running, you know, obviously, his command's a little bit more effective when he fires off the gun. But here's the thing. It seems like uh, Ulrich is running basically straight for the cave. So, like, how the hell does Egon, like, bank a right turn and somehow cut him off, you know? It's his territory, man. It's his home field. I don't Yeah, it's Ulrich's too, though. Ulrich grew up there. Oh, well, that's a good point. Uh, That's an excellent point. Maybe he, Ulrich, that is, just didn't count on Egon being on his home turf as well. So, I, I know what you're saying, but. Immediately, Egon accuses him of killing the boys at the construction site. And Ulrich can't believe the boys are still there. I changed right. all that, he tells him, assuming yeah. that he killed Helga and that adult Helga was responsible for the killings. Helga's dead. He'll never be able to kill again. The whole back to the future time travel scenario, I guess, right? Yeah, you know. Well, I, I mean, like, again, certain things should click into place here for Ulrich. I mean, he's known Helga probably his whole life, and Helga's always had that left side of his face all messed up, his ear all mushed up and everything. And so, like, the method you choose, like, does he not see how he's, like, actually causing things to happen, right? Like, he's doing, like, we talked about this last time. He goes back there thinking he's going to change things, but in reality, He's making them. That's why, you know, I, 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 he's just seems to me like such the, the key to this whole thing. Well, I mean, we know he doesn't kill Helga. So what would have happened had he killed him? I mean, would those boys have disappeared? I'm guessing no, given, but you know, yeah, but I I think that's like, that's the whole thing. Like he, like you just get this sense that everything is, faded and everything happens in a particular way and that you're not going to change things right like you're actually if you think you're going back thinking you change things you're actually making them happen because that was meant to you know you just get this feeling everything was meant to happen everything was meant to shake out this way all right now this is either the first time or the second time but he has arrested and handcuffed ulrich twice now yeah in 1953 and 86 so right right i'm not sure which occurred first i'm assuming the one in 86 was first i think we have to look at it like that 
well, yeah, okay, right. Well, it depends on whose timeline. Like, if you look at it from Egon's perspective, he actually arrested uh, the 50-year-old Ulrich before the, you know, 17-, 18-year-old Ulrich. From Ulrich's perspective, obviously, he was arrested first in 86 and then in 53, which just kind of blows my mind now just saying all that stuff. Well, and you wonder whether or not Ulrich thinks about it in those terms. He's certainly thinking about the fact that if I kill Helga, then he won't exist to kidnap and kill those boys in the future. So whether he's actually taken it that far, we don't know. But then, of course, we cut to Helga waking up in the shelter, and and we know that, of course, we, well, you know, I was going to say, we know that he doesn't kill Helga, but we don't actually know that. He he could have killed Helga in this timeline, I guess. But we saw Helga wake up before, like, in his dream. Well, true. That's true. Right, right, right. Like, we saw him lying there all bloody and then waking up. So, um, so even though that was just a a dream... um, you know, we probably had a pretty strong idea that Helga survived this thing. Yeah. Now, 1953 is the shortest of the three segments in this episode, but we do see a little bit of the Tideman influence and Claudia and Tronte looking for Gretchen. And, and that's, of course, when she mentions his James Dean haircut and that, you know, the girls will all be after him and asks why he came to Winden. And, you know, he gives the answer that his mother probably schooled him to give mm-hmm. that uh, we just wanted a change. But then we see Egon's wife give an address by mm-hmm. Agnes and, and we find out that they've been married 10 years, but she laments the time that Egon spends on the job. Agnes claims to have been married 15 years. He was a pastor, but I couldn't say he was a man of faith. He wasn't a good person. And now that he's dead, she's free. And I, I don't know if you were looking on the Facebook group, but a couple of people chimed in that, that the translation, maybe it was Fred, that she did say her husband was dead. Okay. So, you know, we had talked about that last time. Right, right. I think Fred might mention in his feedback. <laughs> I think that might be where I heard it. So um, anything else about 53 that you want to bring up? Before well, we now that you're mentioning, uh, you know, Ms. Tideman and Ms. Nielsen together, there's, you know, we had speculated that there might be something there. And saying I have to give that a confirmed for this one, right? Like she actually kind of, Agnes gives her like kind of, a, no, again, like I, I actually wrote my, this could be either like Agnes's kind of being like as a mentor and helping um egon's wife do, do we have her name what's um, I, don't, I don't know if they say doris 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 okay i don't i don't okay so it would, so either she's kind of like helping doris along and her, like doris seems to be like a you know um you know a, a housewife who's kind of trapped not trapped i should say but certainly the marriage is not where it was before and so maybe agnes is kind of pushing her to be more expressive of herself and to follow her her you know whatever follow her own path a little bit more or it could be like agnes is kind of into doris and you know because she does you know give her that kind of little hug and doris immediately is like you know very much like oh i i, I can't keep this you know like so it's um you know there, there's there's 
chemistry between them, whether it's chemistry as like sisters or chemistry as lovers is yet to be seen, but there's definitely something between these two women. Okay. Yeah. And I agree with you where that's headed. I guess, I guess we'll wait and see. 1986 starts with the introduction of Alexander to the narrative. And, and we see somebody running in the woods, wearing a mask, carrying a bag. Is it fair to say he's been shot? I mean, we don't know that for sure. We know he's bleeding. We know he's wounded. Yeah, he's definitely got some kind of wound. I guess we assume he's been shot since he's got a gun and everything and seems to be pretty frantic. Right. Uh, it's just it, funny how he goes from being very frantic to like all of a sudden pulling guns on teenagers and like if, if you're running from the cops, it seems like the last thing you would do would like pull a gun on some random teenagers and then, you know, let them leave and stuff, you know? Right. Now his story is a little out of line in, in this episode. I mean, we talked about the episode as a whole being fairly linear, but we see him walking along this forest path and he puts the gun in a bag, pulls out his first passport we see he's got two and it says boris Newald, and it's his photo and then he also has a passport for an alexander kohler which is a passport that belongs to somebody else and we understand that ah okay he's going to take on this guy's identity he keeps that passport puts his own and the gun hides it under a rock but and i i think i read this somewhere on uh the reddit site don't go into the woods and hide something because you know damn well hannah's hiding behind a tree and sees you do it yeah yeah absolutely especially when hannah is really blossoming into her evilness um which like in this episode man she just is like full-on evil in all time periods well you know and i don't want to start talking about 2019 right now but it's really easy to see Katarina as as a bully yeah I mean we first see her in 86 but then when you see Hannah and you see what she's capable of it's I mean it doesn't take away from the bullying tactics that Katarina does but it it certainly seems to lessen them quite a bit but well you know like Katarina you know Katarina Ulrich like had these two find each other right like they are both like just complete living by impulse, don't really think through things. They just, and Katarina does, you know, whereas Ulrich, we haven't really seen, well, except for him, like killing a kid. uh, We haven't really seen violence from Ulrich, but Katarina we've seen get violent now uh, quite a few times. How did Um, she get to be a principal? Yeah, right. Yeah. Some with a temper like hers, right? You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's funny how like, these characters you know how how we see like katarina in 86 and katarina in 2019 as like responding to similar situations in similar fashion which is like just kind of beating up regina is like uh how she seems to react well but you wonder i mean she became a principal she must have started as a teacher, assuming things work the same in Europe as they do in the United States. For the most part, you have to teach for a while. My God, what kind of teacher was she? Did she just teach by fear and intimidation? I guess. Yeah, I mean, We've also, on the other hand, we've seen her with her family and she's 
a different person there. But uh, and, and of course, she's in an extreme situation in 2019 because, well, in both 86 and 29. In 86, uh, you know, her boyfriend was accused of raping her. Her mother beat her up. And that obviously has kind of pushed her over the edge. And in 2019, excuse me, 2019, uh, her son is missing. Now her husband's missing and she is just completely over the edge now. Yeah. I mean, look, I know fear and intimidation has worked for you during your career. It, it just right. never felt right to me. But, <laughs> um, you know, getting back to that tower that we saw Jonas sleeping in in 1986 and, and Fred in his feedback this week sent us a lot of photos and he posted a lot from last week on the Facebook group. And if you haven't seen them, you got to go and check them out. I mean, it opens up so many things. It verifies so many things. And we've talked about, I, I think you in fact brought up whether or not it was the same field. And mm-hmm. Ulrich tells Katarina that Egon thinks he's the antichrist. And on the one hand, we, write that off as hyperbole but yeah. on the other hand we've had too many mentions of this right. sort of thing by different characters in the series that i don't really know that we're going this way and and we've kind of mentioned it from time to time but i i certainly don't know i mean yeah well we had you know again a reference to the antichrist in the last episode and then we had Noah in here uh, talking about the devil. And then once again, uh, the mention of the Antichrist here. So, I mean, it's it's definitely, you know, purposeful. Like, you know, what does it mean, though? Is the, You know, we speculated on that last week. It Does this mean the show is going to go down this kind of, you know, religious-type metaphor uh, as, as, you know, a whole story arc? Or is it just reference to, like, you know, someone being super evil, not necessarily with a religious overtone. Right. Now, uh, obviously, Hannah puts in their mind that Regina's the one that turned Ulrich in to Egon. So when they see Regina walking through the woods, they confront her about accusing Ulrich, and that's where Alexander comes to Regina's rescue and pulls a gun on him. And Again, I found that interesting because he doesn't know any of these people. So is he just a good guy that's coming to the aid of somebody that appears to be in trouble? Because our first impression of him is that he's done something bad. He's running from somebody. He's been shot. At first, we think he's got maybe money in the bag that he robbed someplace or something. But here he comes to her rescue. Yeah. I, I have trouble calling Alexander a good guy, um, but you know we had mentioned before how out of all the marriages in Dark, the one that seems like a legitimately happy marriage where they really really care for each other and you know like have each other's back totally seems to be Regina and Alexander, and we noticed that before, and so this is kind of like the early stages where you know. They, they're going to help each other, right? Like, he saves her from getting beat up. She's going to help him with his wound. Um, so that bond is, like, right there, right from the start. Right. So you wonder, because he's fairly young, does he think that, all right, I'm wounded, I need help, this is a good opportunity, 
this girl will help me because she'll feel like she owes it to me. And even if he does think that, even if that is his thought process, as you said, they clearly fell in love and their relationship is one of the ones that, that does seem the strongest in, in the episode. But again, it's cool. We know that ah, this is where she meets her future husband. So, yeah. All right. Now, speaking of meeting, uh, we, th- we see Claudia with Gretchen on her desk. Yeah. And, and we're in 1986 now. We, we talked about this last time in the, uh, I guess, in yeah, the spoiler it, it, zone, right? Uh, yes. Yes, absolutely. And here's where, you know, Fred had uh, postulated, I believe, last week that there is a way to get from 86 to 53 without actually going through the door. And Gretchen would seem to be proof of that, right? So Gretchen has traveled from 1953 to 1986, uh, but obviously she's not opening that door, right? Well, I think actually that's this week's feedback, but but yes, and, and I agree with you. And uh, well, let's hold off on that until we get to Fred's feedback. But, but yeah, okay. so regardless, the fact that adult Claudia is sitting there with the dog that went missing when she right. was 10. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem so weird to us. What the hell must she be thinking? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like if it were me, I would be telling everyone. I'm like, dude, you would not believe what happened. Like, I literally went into the cave and my dog was there from like 33 years ago. Like, you know, like I'd be freaking out about it. But she seems to be handling it kind of in stride. So, you know, maybe she's already, you know, maybe she's not really that surprised, you know. Well, or or they're going to say, did you get some of Bartosh's weed? I mean. Right. (laughs) All right. But uh, the next scene we see, Alexander comes in claiming to be a friend of her daughter, which I guess he's at least an acquaintance at this point. And I'm sure her daughter. How about Claudia's reaction that she goes, a friend? (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, she says, I didn't even know she was interested in boys. Yeah. And the first thing she says, a friend, like a friend, like <laughs> seriously, like Richie has a friend, like that's crazy. But he's just asking for a chance. He says, you know, I'm a metal worker. I work hard. I can learn. She turns him down. And then it's almost as if she has second thoughts that, well, you know, maybe. And it's just she asks, crazy enough that it might work. And of course, she gives him a job, which is to weld that cave door shut. Not not the cave door with all the engravings on it that people time travel through, but the the one that Ulrich tried to pry open. Right. And I don't know we ever saw him actually succeed in getting it open. Now I can't even remember no. anymore. No, no, because yeah, no, he never got that that open. Right. But that's where they have is. Here's where I'm a little sketchy. Is that where they have all the barrels of nuclear waste was behind that door, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, All right. Now, we see an introduction of Noah of sorts. Uh, 1986 Helga emerges from the bunkers having cleaned something while 2019 Helga watches from behind a tree, which is cool but as we speculated before well what happened to 2019 helga okay well we know he went to 1986 to do whatever i don't know but 86 helga is the one we learned making those little acorn figures i i can't come up with any 
actual meaning to them, why they're important? Uh, are they a precursor to the action figures that Ulrich and Mads collected? I, I don't know. I mean, am, am I missing something? No, I don't, I don't, I have no idea. Yeah. I'm just like, why, what, what is, what's up with that? I mean, obviously there's, there's some meaning to it, right? I mean, they, again, they don't put things in there just for random. Um, you know, we saw them throwing the pine cones around before pretending they were grenades and everything. So, you know, maybe it's just like, kind of like has a thing for pine cones and acorns and stuff. But what I did find strange was that when Egon comes to the cabin to talk to Helga, Helga doesn't answer the door. Egon tries the bunker, but it appears to be locked. And then he just drives away. <laughs> Way to follow up there, Egon. So yeah, you make an appointment for the guy. The guy's is kind of a person of interest in your investigation. He's supposed to come in and talk to you. He doesn't. And like you just kind of lamely knock on this door a little bit, like while he's hiding, literally hiding on the other side of the door. Yeah. Like, but come on. Yeah, but but it does lead into again one of the really pivotal scenes in this episode. Helga and Noah are building the room in the bunker, mm -hmm. and everything's in place. They're working on the chair, but Helga says something that implies that whatever they've been doing hasn't been working. And, you know, Noah tries to buoy his confidence, tell him we got to oh, yeah, keep going. yeah, because the kids keep dying. And right. Like I won't do this anymore, he tells Noah. And then that line, there is no God. No plan ever really existed. Pain and chaos. People are bad, malicious, evil. Well, again, yeah. as you said a few minutes ago, are we going down this religious allegory? I don't know, but there sure yeah. seem to be a lot of these kinds of references dropped in this episode. Yeah. I mean, and he's, you know, like, obviously we know, uh, we suspect that the, I mean, I'm not sure the, the priest frock and everything is just a costume. You know, I, he might actually in some timeline, in some reality be a, you know, a, a religious person, but certainly by this point, Religion and nihilism just do not go hand in hand, right? So, because religion says there is meaning in everything, and nihilism means there's no meaning, and he is clearly a nihilist, right? Absolutely. And, and you know, we've heard about Nietzsche, uh, haven't heard about Kierkegaard yet, but right. it's probably only a matter of time. Yeah, yeah. But, but he places his hand on the chair and tells him that this is our ark and I'm Noah. So is this the point at which he adopts that name? Did he have another name before that? Yeah. Or he could just, maybe he's just, you know, making a play on words based on his name, you know? Yeah. But, but, but or yeah, or that could be, you get a feeling like that might be the, when he says, hey, that's a pretty boss name. I think I'll go with that. Well, I mean, because we wonder, is he Agnes Nielsen's husband? Right. So right. is his name Noah Nielsen? That, that doesn't sound like a real German name. No, uh, I don't know. But he says he wants to change everything and decide the world's fate, remove the evil and the pain. So this must be a time machine of sorts yeah, that they're building. Every tyrant ever, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Now, the one question, and I don't know how important this is, but why make the room so cheerful with all the kid-friendly wallpaper and yeah. stuff if you're just yeah. strapping them in? And uh, I, I 
don't get that. But well, you know, they're they're they got the wallpaper up. They're they're playing you know '80s pop music videos, and so maybe in in their minds, that's kind of like you know making the the kid comfortable or something. You know, um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. So it's right, just well, it's we- just weird. And, you know, it's it's creepy. I think on, on a on an artistic level, from the production standpoint, it's just like creepy like you might say it's supposed to be happy but in the context of it is it's super creepy oh no question no question now uh we see claudia descend into the cave with the geiger counter and you know she finds the mountain of yellow barrels and that's of course when gretchen runs up to her and she immediately recognizes the dog as gretchen gretchen seems to recognize her as claudia again what possibly can be going through her mind but yeah again we don't know what some of these people what their reference points are related to the caves and winden so at this point we're assuming claudia doesn't know anything about time travel but we can't rule that out Right, and that's I'm I'm definitely not ruling it out because, like I said, I mean her her reaction does not seem to be adequate to what I think most people would feel having just found a dog they lost over thirty years ago. You know, just kind of casually having the dog sitting on her desk at work just seems like she's taking it in stride a little bit, and if she's taking it in stride then I would say that she kind of like must at least suspect something is going on like time travel wise. Right. Well, right. But in her mind, she's also got to deal with the fact that she's got this mountain of yellow barrels and she confronts burned about what it is. She found in the cave and the incident at the plant. And we learned that Helga was on duty when it, whatever it, is that happened they all got a bonus to keep quiet and she asks whether anything unusual happened that night i'm assuming she's asking in relation to the fact that her dog that's been missing for 33 years just showed up yeah right right but but he tells her you decide which story you want to tell and she's probably like us what the hell does that mean Well, and Burned is like I like a super complex character. Like I just, we still don't really know. Like we get how you know, we've seen it in multiple timelines, um, how much he cares for Helga and how important Helga is to him. Um, and he says to um, Egon that you know, like basically, you know, nothing is more important than my son. Um, and as far as being like kind of a, a motto for his life, that seems to be a pretty good one. But uh, but yeah, just all the sketchy stuff at the at the the, the power plant and everything like that. It's just I don't know. I don't, I, I, don't, I honestly don't know what to, to make of all of it. Okay. Well, speaking of sketchy, let's move into 2019 and Hannah making her move. And <sighs> we see her at home. She's the she worst. Pulled- She's so bad. Well, she pulls out the bag with the passports and the gun, places them in a metal box so we know that she's kept them all this time, and we wonder why she waited until now 
to bring it out. And, and well, of because course we, now is when Ulrich is really pissing her off. So. Oh, right. Now, Katerina barges into Hannah's house. Uh, at least she pounds on the door and right. c- confronts her about her affair with Ulrich. And uh, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, she doesn't know where her son is. She doesn't know where her husband is. Uh, she's really at the end of her rope. Hannah tells her, oh, it's over. I broke it off. So the lies just yeah. start flowing out of her. On the one hand, as I said, Katarina is still that badass teenage bully. But on the other hand, Hannah, she does enjoy ruining people's lives, right? I mean, Katarina well, asks her that rhetorically, but she does. I think she does enjoy it. She is definitely taking specific pleasure in ruining at least Ulrich's life. Well, he tells um, her, well, he loves me. And I'm thinking like right. sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, well, and then when- yeah, you could see her, right? Like kind of like their story. Obviously, she knows it's BS, but it's also her fantasy, right? Well, sure. But then Katarina starts crying and she's touching her hair. And I'm thinking like... I half expected Katarina to swat her hand away, but she doesn't, which I think just shows how crushed she really is. Katarina, that is. Right, right. It, I mean, it just throws everything, like her whole life. Like, it was one thing where, like, Ulrich, and she's known Ulrich her whole life, right? So the fact that Ulrich makes a stupid, impulsive decision to go out and have an affair. Okay, yeah, all right, so that's probably not super out of character. But to be told that he didn't love her, and especially with we see her in 86 talking about how deep their love is and how love transcends all this stuff and probably was much more difficult for her to process, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much. Her whole world is falling apart. It takes me back to that scene at the school when Magnus just hugs his mother. It just seemed, on the one hand, out of character for him, but just just really shows how much he does love his mother and that when she needed him, he, he was there. But Hannah's working on Alexander at the plant in, in terms of uh, her role as a massage therapist, and I love... <laughs> Okay, I, I mean, I hated it, but I loved it. She puts the bag right down in front of him so he can yeah. see it while he's face down on the uh, little table. Doesn't want money, just wants him to destroy Ulrich. I want him to lose everything. So uh, we're wondering what's going to happen to Ulrich, of course, but we go back to Alexander's past himself. I mean, what caused him to run to Winden and reinvent himself why the mm-hmm. identity change and i hope we find out that that would certainly be something worth knowing for sure yeah i, I mean I, I obviously something that they're gonna you know touch on and and revisit that to find out you know what his deal is you know it's funny because all this stuff that's going on with Ulrich and honestly, Hannah is probably like the least of his worries because right now he's trapped in 1953. He's just been arrested. Yeah. You know? Like some, some lady, uh, you know, 66 years in the future, uh, plotting his demise. It's just really, 
it seems to to be like not really important at this point. Which you know, it's funny because like I mean, obviously we're repulsed by Hannah and just she is just over the edge. Now, like granted, again, Ulrich probably deserves like to a large degree everything he's getting here. But on the other hand, like, well, Katarina doesn't. And she is really, as you said, she's making Katarina miserable. And Katarina didn't do anything except for marry Ulrich. And, you know, which is probably, you know, she's been, unknowingly, has been Hannah's love rival for, you know, over 30 years. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, just like, like really, Ulrich's got bigger fish to fry right now, though. Well, that's true. Uh, I think another pivotal scene is when old Claudia surfaces in Bartosh's backyard as he's playing video games. He doesn't know her because his mother told him that his grandmother was dead. He, I guess for narrative purposes, allows her to come in. <laughs> I'm not sure just because somebody tells you that I'm your grandmother. Yeah. Although I guess to be fair, how would, if she wasn't really his grandmother, how would he know how would she right. know that? Why, why would someone say, "Come like if someone wanted to mess with you and wanted to harm you, would they walk up saying, I'm your long lost grandmother? It, it seems pretty low on the list of, you know, ways to gain entry to a house. Yeah. Now, you know, they have a conversation, but it doesn't seem to be very deep. She gives him that photo of her and her daughter in 1986 and she says it was taken before and everything else that followed it. Okay. I mean, obviously we have to believe time travels involved here at all, but okay. I think one of the things that, that we obviously notice is her attire, which seems futuristic, post-apocalyptic admits to making mistakes back then she'd do things differently if i could turn back time and we hear mention if of i the, could turn back time see i haven't done that in a while I so say, i had to do it that one yeah <laughs> but what happened in the summer of 1986 so you know that's that's left out there hanging but bartosh meets noah at night and he says everything you've predicted has happened so what did noah tell him was going to happen did he say you know your grandmother who you thought was dead is going to show up at your house and then what's the offer that noah makes to him because he does seem to agree to it whatever it is right right okay so i'm going to throw my theory out at this point um and this is one that is not uh confirmed in season one at all but i'm throwing it out there that bartosh is noah okay and I like that. And I'm, I'm, you know, now that you say that, I'm sure next week Fred will have pictures of Bartosh right. and Noah side by side, and we well, can. Well, and again, the, the the showrunners have done an outstanding job finding actors that really do look yeah. like each other. I was about to say they've done such an awesome job of finding people with like the same facial structures. For some reason, this time around, watching it seeing them in the car together and like looking at kind of like their jaw lines and everything. I'm like, damn, you know what? Yeah. It could be, it could be Bartosh could be Noah, you know? Right. right. But arguably the biggest reveal of the episode is 1953 Tanhouse taking Ulrich's smartphone apart. Yeah. 
when old Claudia walks in, the one we just saw with 2019 Bartosh. Right. And, and she has detailed plans for the time machine and asks him to build it for her. So if we had any uh, hesitation of agreeing that she was a time traveler, well, here we know that, uh, in fact, that she is. Right. Now, and now, we also know that, I mean, that Tan House, because we saw he had a completed machine last week, right? Correct. So. Now, I think one of the more difficult and maybe emotional aspects of this episode has to do with Jonas and Martha's relationship. And Oh, yeah. We start with Francesca in bed at Magnus's house, and, and he gives her the pendant. And, and just because we're fucking doesn't mean you get to know me. And, and I guess I'm maybe reading too much in, but I feel like he's sincere in wanting to get to know her, to perhaps even have a relationship with her. And while she doesn't blow him off completely, she does say not today, which, yeah, all right, fine, fair enough. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, Magnus from word one, I think, has been probably the most open and sincere. Well, certainly, I think one of the most open, sincere characters in the story. He's certainly the least complicated so far uh, character uh, in in the show. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I totally believe him. Uh, he's just he, he's really into Francesca. Like as as anyone in love with anyone else, like wants to know about her. So. Well, and, and I really like the way they handled this aspect of the story because the next thing we see is Martha calling Jonas, who's you know fondling that red string, but he doesn't answer the phone. Francesca crosses paths with Martha on her way out of the house after having sex with Magnus. <laughs> Just like a hey, Martha. Uh, hey, Francesca. <laughs> and then Magnus comes into the room and, you know, his sister's kind of giving him that look, but he just sits down right next to his sister as if he senses something wrong with her. And, and you know, the two of them are clearly close. But then Jonas arrives home to find Martha standing in the pouring rain. Well, we just uh, before before you go on, I just like yeah, I was going to say something about the rain. But you know, again, how Magnus is just like so like not complex, right? You know, Martha says, "Why do we all have secrets or something? Or why why do we keep secrets?" And Magnus is just like, "Some things are just private, right. you know? Like okay, there there could be this big." You know, obviously Martha is looking for a, a bigger, more philosophical answer, but Ulrich, or Magnus is just like, eh, something's just private. Boom. Yeah. All right. That's it. All right. So Martha's standing there in the pouring rain. And okay, uh -huh. we, as we said, there's no umbrellas in Winden, but no hats either. Right. It's not. And it like doesn't just drizzle in Winden ever. It's right. like always. But like he doesn't want to have rain. anything to do with her. Now that he knows she's his aunt, and we, we get it, but she's really upset because she likes him and tells her the thing with us is wrong. And she mentions, yeah. well, is it because of Bartosh? No, it's us. We're just not a good match. And, and of course, she doesn't understand. Obviously, he can't tell her what he's learned. They kiss anyway, we're, we're, so this is wrong, she asks. Yeah. Yeah, if this is wrong. I don't want to be right. I was hoping he would <laughs> yeah. say that, but you know, he didn't. Um, 
and, and Fred uh, touches on this as well. And my take on this is maybe, I mean, obviously he's probably a little weirded out that she's his aunt, but that's so like weird and convoluted that it's almost hard to, to kind of like really wrap your mind around that one. You know, like she's my aunt, but she's also my same age and I've known her my whole life. Like, okay. So, but I honestly think more so than that is his just, he, cause his basically assessment is, I'm going to have to go ahead and say the word. It's all fucked up. Yeah. Right. Like that. So it's, I don't think it's necessarily so much that he, she's his aunt, as it is this idea of just, he's just burdened. And I, I like, I kind of like to think Jonas now, I'm, I'm kind of seeing him as like the Prince Hamlet of of the story because he's burdened with this knowledge that no one else knows, right? Sure. Uh, except for, all, I guess, Ulrich, you could say knows it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, and he can't tell other people. Like Hamlet can't tell I saw my dead dad and he told me my uncle killed him because he'll sound crazy, right? In the same way, Jonas can't tell people what he knows because he knows it'll sound crazy, you know? And it's just, everything is just such a mess. I mean, not only is does he have the hots for his aunt, but like he could travel, he just traveled, he literally traveled through time. Like he did that. He went back and saw his dad and mom meeting for the first time. So there's just like a lot of things going on. Plus, remember the stranger told him that you are important to all of this, right? So that so this kid has just basically has the the kind of the way of the world thrown on him, and like just really like a, a relationships right now might seem kind of like the last complication he needs to add to his life right now, you know. Well, you know, wonder what, how that resonates with him, the, the fact that he is important because he's a teenage boy and this is the here and now and this girl that I really like turns out to be my aunt and it just, as you said, it's just it's just too much to process. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so Now, one of the last things uh, has to do with the yellow canisters. Alexander calls Patch Guy for info on Ulrich. Right. And yeah, we were wondering about that guy. And so now he is definitely sketchy. Well, right. And he's got something to do with the canisters and who knows what. He's getting rid of nuclear. He's helping hide nuclear waste or whatever's in that stuff. But then the stranger finds the truck with the yellow canisters and opens one. Which you generally don't do with nuclear waste. and, And that's pretty much all we see. But, I forget who said it. It must have been Byrne talking to Claudia about the incident. And and he basically said that we packed up the whole building and put it in those canisters so that I don't know that there's necessarily like liquid waste in those canisters as opposed to objects that are radioactive. And I wonder whether Right. Whatever it is, it, it sets off the Geiger counter, though. Right. So, is there something there that's important? Is well, yeah. The, I mean, it's the stranger's not there, right, for his health. Like, right. literally, not there for his health because okay. you, you're going to die. <laughs> right. Now, the, la- <laughs> the last thing yourself I'll, to that. The last thing I want to bring up 
Regina is cleaning at the hotel and she goes into the stranger's room and sees his evidence photo walls and she's stunned, of course. And I'm thinking like, all right, dude, have you never stayed in a hotel before? You know, they clean the rooms when you're not there. So does he want her to see those things? I mean, it yeah. seems a rookie mistake to make. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that, exactly. I, I, yeah, why does he? Why, yeah, that, that's, that's crazy. That um, and, Well, and l- like you said, I mean, the, the most rational thing is that he either A, a expects or B wants Regina to find all that stuff. All right. But if she did, it, it doesn't seem like she could really understand, like what it's all about. You know. Well, we don't know. We, right, we don't know. So. so, all right. Anything else you want to bring up before we get to the listener feedback? Um, just you know, like I mean that 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 scene with Martha and Jones was just absolutely heartbreaking. You know, because it's just that like it's it's two kids who, well, I mean, we can't really say their lives were normal before any of this happened. But certainly, recent events have have turned their worlds upside down, and um, you know, uh, it's it's just really kind of sucks to see them you know, like going through this. Now, though, one thing like Martha is like a a incredible hypocrite because she is getting on Jonas about not responding to her texts when she's going through a thing. But you know, I seem to recall when. Jonas was going through a thing after his dad killed himself that she didn't return his text, right? Yeah. So, true. you know, like relax, Martha, like fair play, right? Yeah. So, okay. All right. Anything else? I think I think that might be it. Okay. Sounds good. Well, yep. let's take a listen to what Fred has to say. He's got a lot of great stuff again this week and we'll come back and talk about it. So, here's Fred from the Netherlands. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Dark Season 1, Episode 9, called Everything is Now, or in German, Alles ist jetzt. First off, big compliments to Wayne. I didn't notice any spoilers or differences in how he discusses stuff between before he had binged uh, the last three episodes of Dark and uh, after. Thanks, Wayne, for being a professional. Of course, I'm skipping your spoiler zone. But you can be sure I'm going to listen to all four of them when I finish the first season. Second point. In the episode 7 podcast you got feedback from Kathleen who was recommending Eliza Dusko's True Calling. Well, I watched some individual scenes for the first three episodes uh, to get a quick impression. And I can say, you can count me on board when you're going to podcast about it. Small correction, Dave. Uh, it are not two seasons of 13 episodes, uh, but nevertheless, it are 26 episodes. But this is because season 1 has 20 episodes and season 2 has only 6. Third point. I acted upon Wayne's request that Fred can look for proof that the fields through which the 1953 Helga cycles on his way to the nuclear power plant construction site is shown before. Well, Wayne, I did my best. When we see Helga cycle through the forest and he passes an open space, we just shortly can see that he also passes the forest watchtower. This is the same tower as where Jonas spent one night uh, when he arrived in 1986 
and where 1986 Ulrich and Katharina are talking and smoking in this episode. So, 1953 Helge is cycling, where in 1986 Regina is bullied by Katharina and Ulrich, and saved by Boris Nieveld, a.k.a. Alexander. Next point, in episode 8 we saw that Ulrich takes the left tunnel after the sick Mundeskreat's S-door, where in episode 6 Jonas took the right. Last podcast, I wonder whether this, this simply is the difference between landing up in 1953 or 1986. And if yes, I wondered, could you go directly from 1986 to 1953 without passing the door? Well, Gretchen proves my theory. Um, I don't think a dog can open the door, which means there is indeed a direct connection between 1953 and 1986 without any obstacles. Gretchen, you really are my hero, proving me right for once. Another thing I did is I finally succeeded in finding proof that the picture wall uh, is in the Doppler's bunker. In all previous episodes, the wall opposite of the door was never clearly shown. In episode 9, when Helga and Noah are talking, it finally becomes clear. If you want to have a look at my analysis, you can have a look at the Facebook page. Uh, I posted that on September the 8th. Why is this so important, where this wall is? Well, because the picture wall is not there in 1953, 1986, nor in 2019. So it must be in another time period. And that is probably 2052. In my feedback uh, for episode 8, I said, If you look how old Claudia is dressed, and you compare this to the stranger, she even could be from the future, or at least be in the future. So is it 2019 or even 2053? That's what I said last podcast. Since we saw old Claudia Tiedemann watch the picture wall in episode 8, we now know she must have traveled between 2052 and 2019. This also means that those hand grenades and the machine gun are also stored in 2052. Does this mean the world is, a ki- is in a kind of post apocalyptic state in 2052? Why are these weapons so 20, uh, 20th century and not looking more futuristic? What is it with the scene with Francesca and Magnus in, uh, in bed? Did this scene have any function? Magnus did give Francesca her the necklace back, but it didn't result in us knowing uh, what she is getting the money for. And Francesca says, just because we've, and then the F word follows, doesn't mean you have to know everything about me. Wayne asked whether the forest hotel that Regina runs is the old Doppler estate. The answer is yes. And I think I found the biggest nitpick of the show so far. The 2019 shot, uh, and that is just before the stranger enters uh, the hotel, is exactly the same as the 1953 one. Uh, Every branch of every tree is exactly the same. And that's a little bit strange for a time difference of 66 years. The only differences are, if you compare these two shots, is that the door got an extra fence in 2019. Uh, Second, 
Young Helge is cycling towards the house in the 1953 shot. And three, the shadows uh, of the trees moved just a little bit because probably a slightly different filming time. Last episode I wondered where these acorn puppets came from. Well, it seems just being Helga's uh, hobby. I was fully expecting, by the way, that something would happen with Alexander's gun in the silver box on the table when uh, Katerina is visiting Hannah. It's a nice twist that it didn't. Okay, last scene I want to discuss. Jonas breaking up with Martha. I think it's a horrible scene. And Jonas is just saying, it was wrong. In my episode 7 feedback, I had mentioned three options what could happen. Jonas, one, Jonas breaks up without explaining why, and Martha will be devastated by it. Two, Jonas, Jonas tell Martha the truth, uh, and she breaks up because she thinks he's crazy. And three, Jonas tells Martha nothing, but he continues the relationship. Well, it proved to be option one. So horrible, because I think these two kids really like each other. Come on, Jonas, get over it. What does it matter that she is your aunt? Do you love her or not? You have to know that 8.5% of the world's population comes from consanguineous parents, mostly first or second cousins. So, Jonas, you won't be alone. And when you're afraid your future children could get a genetic disease, just go for genetic counseling. These days there are DNA tests available that can check whether you are both carriers of the same genetic disease. With, for instance, a 25% risk of getting a child with a genetic condition. I really wonder how this story will evolve. Um, And another thing, if you look at these scenes, I didn't I say before... It never rains gently in Winden. Okay, Dave and Wayne, here are my questions. 1. Why is there a direct connection between 1953 and 1986, proven by Gretchen, whereas if you want to go to 2019, you have to pass the Sigmundus Creatus S door? 2. Where is the corridor to 2052? Or does one get that? Uh, does one get into that time period in a different way? Three. Why are these weapons stored in the bunker so 2020th century and not looking more futuristic? Wayne also touched upon this fact in the previous podcast. Four. Do you think 2050 is in a kind of a post-apocalyptic state? Five. How did the Doppler estate come into the Tiedemann's hands? So not only not only did Claudia take over the nuclear plant from Baron Doppler, but she or her daughter took over the estate as well. Is this just a question of money? Probably the only Doppler heir, being Helge, was not able to sustain the Doppler's status. Nevertheless, his son Peter was able to do an academic study in psychology. Well, perhaps Peter's grandparents took care of that via trust fund or something like that. Six, an important one. Who was Agnes' husband? Doris asks her, what kind of work did your husband do? He was a pastor, but I can say he was a man of faith. Well, who do we know that fits this description? So, is Noah Agnes' her ex-husband? 
Trond's father and Ulrich's grandfather? And if Noah is uh, Trond's father, did he make those burn wounds on Trond's arm? 7. What does Charlotte believe when uh, Ulrich is saying on his uh, voicemail on her phone? Charlotte, the question isn't uh, who kidnapped the children, but when. I was read, Helga Doppler, not now, but in 1986. 8. What did Boris Niewald, a.k.a. Alexander Köhler, do in 1986 that he had a shot wound and there were and they were chasing him even with a helicopter. P.S. Wayne was mentioning the Ouroboros in the last podcast, and I thought, where do I, ne- where do I recognize that from? But it's also a theme in the series Hemlock Grove, a series we discussed earlier in episode 258 of the podcast about the pilot of Dog. When I was googling it, I stumbled over a so-called Project Ouroboros in Hemlock Grove. Uh, which I immediately closed because I didn't finish watching that series. Okay, that was way a lot. Sorry, greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. All right, first of all, Fred, I'm not going to mention that you complimented Wayne for being a professional. I mean, come on, right. really? That's but, Yeah, that's that's clearly ridiculous. But seriously, what a great job with the screen cap analysis again. I don't know what it tells us that these scenes all take place in the same field, you know, that, that like, you know, Wayne, you were alluding to last time, but it's still interesting. I mean, is there something about that watchtower that's going to become important? Well, I don't know about the watchtower, but I think that field is super important. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as to the Gretchen issue, I'm going to accept that there might be another way to travel through time. But I don't want to discount that little Gretchen maybe had help moving from one time to another. And since we know that the same individual from different timelines can appear in the same timeline, uh, for instance, we saw 2019 Helga watching 1986 Helga in the 86 timeline. I'm wondering whether older Claudia maybe was watching out for her younger self and somehow helped helped gretchen along but right yeah that's a good possibility yeah but um i'm gonna certainly accept that that there may be another way to time travel in winden but perhaps the biggest revelation that fred presents here in his feedback i think is the fact that the photo board appears to be in the doppler bunker yes and and logically it can only be in a future past 2019 and Given that we've seen no indication that dates outside the 33-year cycle are possible, we kind of have to go with 2052. Right. And well, I, I would just throw this out there that it could, when you're talking time travel, it could potentially be an earlier time than you know 33 years before 1953. Well, that's true as, as well. well. I mean, it could be any time in any way, right, basically. Well, right, but I guess because of her attire, and, and we've certainly seen that post-apocalyptic look sure. many times. Well, from her and from The Stranger. Right, but I mean even in other uh, genre oh, movies yeah, 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 and, yeah. and television shows. Uh, and then, of course, there's the weaponry as well. 
And as to why the weaponry is not more futuristic, uh, I mean, I wonder because maybe the munitions factories stopped producing or were destroyed and they had to scavenge older weaponry, uh, given we're dealing with time travel, perhaps a future fighter went back in time to stock up. I I, I don't know, but I I do think we are in a post-apocalyptic, so in other words, a 2052 at least. Now, he brings up the Francesca Magnus sex scene and as to the function, and I'm just going to say, Fred, you saw Francesca get out of bed, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I, I feel like that might have been, I, I don't know, I, I, I feel bad charging them with, like, you know, having gratuitous nudity in there, but um, I do kind of have to go with, uh, with Fred as to, like, kind of, not really understanding necessarily why this scene is in there. But also, that being said, there's probably tons of time watching the show where we don't know the full significance of something until much later. Well, right. And it certainly extends the mystery surrounding how she gets her money. He gives her back her necklace and tells her where he found it. And I think, as I said earlier, we're to accept that Magnus is falling for her. So as you said, the significance isn't clear yet, but I, I think it will be at some point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I think you know, the significance of, of what Francesca is doing is going to be something of importance as well. I mean, that's the thing. Like, like Magnus and Francesca have been, and like even... Bar- Bartosh to a degree and Martha, but certainly actually, you know what? They, I'm, I'm just sticking on Magnus and Francesca have been the most marginal of characters in this story so far, like has really haven't gotten a lot of screen time, haven't gotten a lot of lines, but yet, you know, they keep coming back to them. Like there is something like these two are going to have a super important part in this whole story. But like right now, like we're just not seeing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, there's young love, Jonas and Martha. And as Fred uh, alludes, uh, you know, there is genetic testing. And I'm thinking, well, maybe they can't afford it, though they could ask Francesca to loan them the money. I I wonder, though, seriously, if that realization might not occur to him somewhere down the road, to Jonas, that is. But... Uh, and again, I don't know what's involved in terms of cost for genetic testing. I, I would suspect well, it's rather I, expensive, but I, I, I mean, again, like all these things I think are just so far from like, like definitely Jonas isn't thinking any kind of like genetic testing or anything. He's just, he's freaked out that this girl that he's loved is his aunt, like biologically, you know? True. So that, you know, I, so I, I think just in general, he's just. Like I said, I mean, his his whole world has just basically been thrown upside down. Like, even more so. Like, it was bad enough how much his world was rocked when his uh, dad committed suicide. All, all these revelations that have compounded on top of that have just completely thrown him for a loop. And, you know, it's it's just like he, like, I think you said it best. Like, right now, you just can't even process all of this, you know. Yeah, so... All right, well, let's tackle some of Fred's questions. 
And the first has to do with that direct connection between times. And as I said, I'm not ready to discount it, but uh, I'm not sure I'm buying into it quite yet. But Fred does bring up whether or not there's a 2052 corridor since you know we've gone into the caves and we've seen okay you go this way you get to 1953 you go this way you get to 1986 i think we're just starting to explore the cave possibilities and then that realization that i mentioned earlier in the podcast about the device and the three cylinders and the fact that there should be seven permutations so that perhaps we can go to as many as seven different timelines. That's what I'm going to go with at this point. But, you know, outside of that, I mean, there's got to be some other way to get to another time or, or so it would uh, seem. Now he mentions how the Doppler estate got into tied them in hands. And I'm wondering rather than economic difficulties, and that it was sold or something like that. I wonder if there's some kind of an agreement related to time travel and family tree knowledge. And at the heart of it is that other than that, I don't really know. Right. I mean, you got any, anything else on that? Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I no, I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, there's definitely, yeah, something. The, the future is definitely. All right. Well, I'm going with Noah being Agnes's husband, which means her husband's not dead. And Noah may be Tronte's father, which would make Noah Ulrich's grandfather. Yeah, which would then make him Jonas's great grandfather. And just, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Now, he brings up the phone message that Ulrich leaves on Charlotte's phone and and what does Charlotte think about Ulrich's not where when moment on the phone call Mm -hmm. and again the third time I'm watching it she's probably just thinking all right it's it's not where it's when you know like not another year but perhaps another week or another month or, or or something along those lines i don't know unless she has knowledge that we haven't been made privy to yet i'm assuming she's not really thinking about what ulrich intends yeah well right and and there's i, I could talk about this in the spoiler a little bit but um i'm not gonna spoil it now but just that it's We talk about uh, Charlotte being like kind of like the ultimate like cop. Like she's always investigating, right? She's not necessarily super great with people. And we see that when Katerina comes in. You can see how like shocked and even intimidated she is by Katerina, which is funny because like you're the cop, right? You're the one like who's got the authority here. But yet she's like kind of like trying to push herself as far back in her chair as she can. I, I I would think that I mean like not that she's going to go with you know Ulrich is figure out some time traveling paradox or whatever but you know maybe she'll get there. Well, she probably just thinks he's losing it. Yeah, more, well, more than yeah, anything. Um, and, and then he asks, "How did Boris, aka Alexander, get shot?" I don't know that we have even a clue other than the fact that he was probably doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing. I mean, it doesn't 
appear as if he's out of time in terms of the clothing he's wearing, uh, in terms of the gun that he has, uh, in terms of the passports that he has. So I'm just assuming he was doing something illegal and the operation went sideways and he got away. So whether it's going to tie in later, probably. Yeah. I mean, I, like it's definitely going to tie in later. You know, like I said, I mean, we, I, we figure sometime soon again they don't do it in in this season but we can see a you know uh, a boris nevald uh you know origin story kind of episode uh in there somewhere but uh but yeah and again like so he i, I know again i get hung up with the last names thing but he takes the Tideman last name right yes like he goes he's alexander Tideman, right so um but again that, that just I guess would add in more with how he is, um, you know, uh, making his new identity, right. And distancing himself from, uh, the Boris Nevald uh, as an identity. Um, well, well, right. Exactly. And doesn't even want to use the last name. Like even his fake last name, even his fake last name. Right. Right. Because whether that guy's still alive or whether that guy turned up dead, we don't know. Yeah. But, um, all right. Well, uh, Fred, just again, great stuff. Please post any of those photos on the Facebook group the way you did last time. And, uh, gosh, only one more to go. So that's going to lead us into what's left to talk about in terms of our spoiler zone. So if you haven't seen episode 10, Stop listening to the podcast at this point, and we will hopefully see you next week. So, right. all right, what do you got on the uh, spoiler zone? Because okay. l- 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 let me start off, because the last okay. couple of weeks, I can't remember anything. But we do know that we end up in the future. Do they actually tell us that it's 2052? Or do we just surmise that? I can't remember. Well, we surmise it, but remember there's that that futuristic drone-like vehicle that's in it that looks very Terminator-like. Like there's a big flying, like some kind of, like a helicopter, but it looks like a drone except like big enough that a person could be flying it. Right, but I wonder whether it could be 2085, in other words. Have oh, we- oh yeah, right, right, right. I mean, yeah, it, right. It's definitely the future. Like, yeah, could it be even further past w- than 2052? Like, yeah, for sure. Like, right. there, there's no taking that. I just We just assume it would be the next iteration, the next 33-year cycle or whatever. Okay, and, and that's what I've figured. So, all right, well, that's the extent of my... Uh, knowledge <laughs> so what else you got well I, I so it seemed like the, the first time we did the spoiler thing there was like a ton in that one right um, sure and, and i think a, a lot of what i said then kind of carries over noah and claudia and we see that we get this idea of that it's like almost like a war right though claudia looks much more war-torn than noah does um but the two are you know at war with one another or there's like the head of two factions that are trying to control time, I guess, or control history or whatever. 
Um, and we're, yeah, I don't think even at the, I don't think even in an episode, the last episode, I don't think we get really whether Jonas is like down with either side or not, or whether, well, you know, Jonas being the stranger, which we find out next episode, you know, whether he's kind of acting on his own or is he with this group and everything. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah. And I'm trying to think there was, oh, well, uh, you know, Charlotte, um, next episode will find, uh, Ulrich's mugshot from 1953. Right. So, and like, that's, that's it. Like, uh, you know, she's just like, looks at just like, what? Holy crap. You know? Um, so it seems like definitely in season two, uh, Charlotte is going to be, investigating the, the the time issue and so once she's in the mix because she also i mean like magnus she's been kind of marginal here um once she starts thinking that you know this is a time travel thing once she buys into that like might she go back to 1953 on like a rescue mission or something like that because and poor Ulrich is he is he ever going to get home you know yeah, and if he gets home, what's he going to find? Yeah. One pissed off right. wife for one thing. Well, that is definitely one thing he undoubtedly will find. Yeah, no doubt. But it's so funny because like now we're getting to a point where like there's not so many spoilers as there are now like speculations. That's why I'm kind of looking forward to the next episode because we can just throw it out there. All our, you know, we can honestly speculate and predict and everything without – knowing what what's going to happen next right well yeah sure yeah i you know I, I can't really think of i mean yeah obviously the big reveals we get in in the last episode the, that jonas is the stranger um that noah and claudia are at war with one another and that jonas um is gonna ultimately uh travel to the future um, where that oh 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 and and that um well we talked about that you know like mads's body is just dropped on uh tronte and peter which you know uh, even now we, we still suspect those two because both of them been acting very sketchily and then so the next episode you know in episode 10 uh you know they're just in the bunker and then mads's body just falls out of an opening in the bunker you know every, all the sketchy stuff they've been doing has not been because they're involved with it but they're trying to you know like set things right you know they're working with claudia you know, we we know that yes, that uh, we and we talked about this that the stranger older Noah is you know trying to stop uh, the time, trying to destroy the wormhole, but that in actuality he creates it by his, which then ties in with like Ulrich, um, you know, his grandfather, uh, you know, again um, by trying to change the past, you actually bring it about. So. Okay. Oh, and, and then, uh, well, I mean, and I think we talked about the one, you know, Helga. Um, so I, I feel like we've already said all these things. So I don't think there's really any new uh, reveals based on, on this one. We've kind of got them all out there. Okay. Well, sounds good. Then why don't we leave it there? And Yeah, leave it there. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Love to hear what you think about Dark. Anything else going on in genre TV? Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. Check out all the screen caps that Fred has provided for us. If you're already a member of the Facebook group, spread the word. 
Emails can go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can get through the website. We'll be back next week to talk about the dark season finale, episode 10, titled Alpha and Omega. But until then... You know, it's, uh, I, I remember every time I go to my doctor for my yearly checkup, I come out thinking that life is nothing but a huge spiral of pain.